There was a young mother who had two children. She had a little three-year-old girl, and she had a five-month-old baby boy. And they were in the living room, and they were playing so nicely, and things were going so well that she decided she would just sneak off just a minute, right, to maybe make a phone call, have a moment to herself. But then she stopped right before she left, and she said to her daughter, now, honey, I want you to remember, you're not big enough to pick up your baby brother. So I'm going to be gone for just a minute. You just stay right here. I'll be right back. It works every time, right? She goes. She's gone for just a minute. She comes back, and no one's in the living room. So she runs down the hall with a panic, calling out her daughter's name. And her daughter says, I'm in here, Mommy, in her bedroom. And lo and behold, she goes into the bedroom, and there's her three-year-old playing with her dolls. And there's the five-month-old baby just babbling on the floor. She's relieved, but she very sternly says to her three-year-old, I thought I told you, young lady, that you are too small to pick up your baby brother. The little girl just grins and says, yes, mommy, I know. Well, how did your little brother get in this room? And the little girl had such a grin on her face. She was so proud of herself. She said, I rolled him. <laughs> I rolled him. You see, there are many ways to get something done, aren't there? But in each of our lives, sooner or later, we come upon problems to be solved, difficulties to be faced, situations to be lived through that cannot be easily managed. Sooner or later, each of us face things beyond our ability to handle. The widow must learn to take care of her own finances, to take care of the house, she must learn to live through that first birthday and that first Christmas, that first Easter. And she often can feel like she just can't do it. It's too hard. The mother of small children who finds out she's pregnant again with twins, well, she feels overwhelmed, unable to cope. The longtime employee who watches his company change or get bought out or downsized, who must now look for a job or even change careers at 45 or 50 or 55, can be paralyzed with fear, thinking, I can't do this. I just can't start over again. The diagnosis is cancer, and before long, there's a roller coaster ride of surgery and chemo and tests and more tests. And the patient and the loved ones alike will struggle to stay above their depression. How are we going to handle this? How are we going to be able to do this is the question that comes up. Yes, at some point, each of us, those we love, arrive at a place where we ask ourselves the most basic spiritual question. How are we able to go on? How are we able to rise above? How are we able to take heavy responsibilities or disappointments or setbacks and continue to live with grace and style, with intelligence, imagination, and love as we are called to live by our Savior Jesus Christ?
In the Gospel of Mark, in the sixth chapter, we find just such a time for Jesus' earliest disciples. If we had read a little bit earlier in the sixth chapter, you would have seen that the disciples have just had their first taste of being missionaries. Jesus sent them out two by two. They left. They went into the surrounding towns, and they really had some success. They taught, they anointed the sick, they cast out demons, and now they've come home. They gather around Jesus and they have a lot of good stories to tell. They tell about the demons, they tell about the sick, they talk about how they preached and found receptive hearts. You can imagine their excitement as they share all that had happened. And Jesus in his wisdom says, you know what, we need a quiet place to rest from all this excitement. And the scriptures record, they went away to a deserted place by themselves. Time for a little R&R, time to regroup and refocus, time to recharge. Yes, disciples need such times, don't they? You and I need such times, families need such times, and even churches need such times don't they? But as you know, something happens, something unexpected. The disciples and Jesus take that boat to their deserted place, and what do they find? They find a crowd waiting for them right on the spot. Somehow, the people in the surrounding villages and towns, they find out. And before the disciples can even get to their deserted place, it's no longer deserted. People are there waiting for Jesus And scripture tells us Jesus had compassion for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them. But do you notice scripture doesn't tell us how the disciples felt when they arrived in that deserted resting place only to find a big crowd. You know what my guess is? Through the eyes of weariness and exhaustion, the waiting crowd hardly looked like a blessing to those disciples. They show this when at the end of the day, they come to Jesus and literally beg him to dismiss the people. It's late, Jesus. This is a really deserted place, Jesus. Send them away to buy food. Send them away to care for their needs, Jesus. It's actually a reasonable request. It's a sensible request. But as usual, Jesus isn't reasonable. He surprises. He turns to those disciples and says, you, you, my weary, overwhelmed disciples, you who are in need of rest and nourishment yourselves, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine how that felt? Can you imagine how that sounded to the disciples? Us, Lord, you want us? to feed the people? Where would we get the money? Where would we get the bread? How can you ask such a thing? It's not reasonable. It's not possible. You've got to be kidding. How could you ask it? How in the world are we to do this? What we're reading here in the sixth chapter of Mark, my friends, is the disciples reaching their limit, their limit of hope 
their limit of energy, their limit of imagination and compassion. But there's Jesus saying, you give them something to eat. Give. Give when you're tired. Give when you're overworked. Give when you're underappreciated. When too many people are asking too much of you, when you aren't sure there's enough of you, enough time or resources, you give, says Jesus. Friends, I admit, this doesn't sound like good news to me. How about you? But it's exactly what happens. It happens in my life. It happens in your life. It happens in the church every day. It's what happens when there's no one else to work on your relationship or your marriage or your family's health but you. It's what happens when you're in charge or in a position of influence and something needs to be done. It's what happens when you have resources and others don't. It's what happens when you see the need and it is great and it is right in front of you. And those of us who know Jesus, those of us who follow Jesus, we can still hear him. Every day, you, you, you who are my hands and feet, you give. So watch and listen to what happens next. Because Jesus really does understand the disciples' concern, and I believe he understands ours. Jesus understands their weariness, and I believe he understands ours. He watches the disciples. He listens to the disciples, and then he enters into their dilemma with one simple instruction. I love it when it's just one simple instruction. He says, bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. Don't hold back. Just bring me what you have. No more questions. No more doubts. Just bring what is available to you right now. And friends, it's almost laughable because it's five loaves and a few fish. That's hardly enough to feed the thousands gathered that day, right? But we all know what happened. When they bring it to Jesus, when they stop questioning, when they stop worrying, when they turn it over to Jesus, a miracle occurs. The food is divided up, everyone eats, everyone is filled. There is bread enough to spare. This is a beautiful miracle story, a story that I know you have heard your entire life. It's a beautiful miracle. Hungry people fed, loaves and fishes multiplied, Jesus' power and authority displayed. But this morning, I want to suggest that we have so much more here than just a miracle story. Because ultimately, this is a lesson. It's a lesson for the earliest disciples and a lesson for the church today, a lesson we must learn over and over again. Ultimately, this is the teachable moment. Who is in charge of our lives? Who grants courage, strength, and nourishment? Are we alone in the world doing our best to face everything that comes our way? Or are we leaning on the one who can do all things, who can empower us in every situation? That's the spiritual issue here. That's the question we must ask ourselves today. You see, those earliest disciples, they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they could not do what Jesus asked them. Think about it. They knew they could not do 
what Jesus asked them. And Jesus taught them with this miracle that they could accomplish anything if they brought what they had. Whatever love, whatever resource, whatever energy and talent, they brought it to him for his use. Brothers and sisters, Jesus stands ready to teach us that lesson as well. Stands ready to teach this church that lesson if we'll pay attention, and if we will follow that one simple instruction. As young pastors back in 1991, Al and I found ourselves in a congregational meeting discussing the church's lack of space. Now, isn't that a great problem to have? The church's lack of space. We needed space for Sunday school, for fellowship, for gatherings, and the like. The problem? We were a congregation of modest means, and we needed a million dollars to begin the project. And the largest factory in town, the factory most of our church members worked for, had just announced a shutdown. The timing couldn't have been worse. We talked and we prayed and we talked and we prayed and we talked some more. And I'll be honest with you, the meeting was getting nowhere. Then an elderly woman stood to speak. She said, I know it's a lot of money. I know it seems impossible. But all God is asking of us is to do what we can, to bring what we can, to give what we can. We'll have to trust God to do the rest. You could have heard a pen drop as Jesus called us back to faithfulness through that precious woman. Yes, the building was built. Yes, the building was and is still paid for. Friends, Jesus loves us. Jesus has compassion upon us and upon this hurting world as surely as he had compassion on that crowd at that impromptu picnic all those years ago. And Jesus firmly calls us to stop listening to the scarcity message being preached all around us. The message that there isn't enough. There isn't enough resource. There isn't enough time. There's not enough hope. There's not enough compassion. Friends, it's a lie. And we must learn to treat it as a lie whenever and wherever it is preached. And Jesus commands us to bring what we have whatever we have, to sit down on the green grass of his strength and power and allow him to take care of the rest. Jesus commands us to be part of God's solution to the scarcity and injustice and hatred we see around us. I am the vine and you are the branches, said Jesus. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you are in me, in relationship with me, anything is possible. Anything. Friends, whatever your loneliness or concern, whatever challenge you may have brought with you here this morning, know this, that God is holding you and waiting to help and that God is able to do what you cannot 
And whatever problems we may face as a nation or a community, God is able to make a difference and to use us for good. And whatever challenges we might face as a church, God is able to take us and transform us into kingdom material. We are not able, we never have been, we never will be. But Jesus teaches us and calls us to work with the one who is able. And when we do, and when we do, friends, that's when miracles happen. Now to him who is able to do so much more than all we could ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Alleluia. Amen.